Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. It is 18 February, it's Sunday, it's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And I have today the most manly bandana I've probably ever worn before. It's got little teddy bears all over it, and it's pink. But uh, that was sent to me by my friend up in Charlotte, North Carolina, Arlene. She's always sending me something fun, and uh, this week was, apparently she's a big fan of uh, teddy bears. So there you go, I want to thank her for that. And our first category, as always, is Israel. And I entitled this entire prophecy update, Trump Priorities, kind of tying the two words together. And before I get into what Trump has done over the past week or so, from Voitenko News Service, this is Sergio over in Israel. He sent me a update from Nazareth. It said, this week we had a chance to meet the 44th governor of Arkansas, Mike Huckabee, here in Nazareth. And to our surprise, this was not his first or even second time to Israel. He has been here a dozen times, making his first trip in 1973 when he was only 17. He shared with us how over the past 45 years of his travel here, he observed the gradual Islamization of Israel. He told us what was once a Christian city of Bethlehem is a place he can no longer visit due to the opposing danger of radical Islam. Nonetheless, Mr. Huckabee still leads large groups of tourists from America to the land of Israel. Apparently, he had about 300 people, I think is the number. This time, they stopped in Nazareth Village, where Rhoda, his wife, most of you know her here, happened to be their tour guide. As we got into the conversation, I expressed how much we appreciate and respect the current American government. I even proposed that the appointment of Trump resemble that of King Cyrus in the times of the exile. Mr. Huckabee rose to agree and added that Trump's support for Israel is founded on his close relationship with evangelical friends, including Mr. Huckabee himself. He told us of a time when he met with President Trump and said, in a paraphrase, Mr. President, if you move the embassy to Jerusalem, you will face great opposition. However, your friends will be shouting in support. So it would appear to us that Huckabee had played an integral part in the decision-making. Finally, Mr. Huckabee shared a prayer request with us. His daughter, the White House Press Secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, is facing tough times from the liberals. Just like her dad, she was in Israel multiple times. He had been taking her here since uh, she was 11 years old. He shared with us how deeply rooted she is in the Christian faith and her support for the Jewish people. So it is no wonder that the left nitpicks her every other word. He asked us to pray for her, and then he added on a P.S., which I'm not going to read the whole thing. When I told Mr. Huckabee about the superior word and how they support the president, he was very intrigued. However, what got him excited, and this is a man after my own heart here, are the expository sermons that reveal the mysteries in the word of God that had been hidden there for thousands of years since their writing, which we talk about in our sermons. And he gave some nice comments, and I'm not going to read those to you, but Mr. Huckabee replied that he will check them out. So when you turn on the Superior Word live stream, which is going right now because Sergio's in Israel monitoring it, um, look around your virtual pews, you might find Mr. Huckabee watching alongside you. So one of these days, you never know, he might be there, and that would be great. And uh, 
If so, maybe one of these days he'll come down and he'll visit uh, the Superior Word and do a prophecy update with us. I'll be his tour guide. Yeah, yeah, his tour guide. Okay, from uh, Ynet, Trump to Israel Hayom. They were granted a interview with our president. Jerusalem announcement was the highlight of my term. His first year, he said, that is the highlight of it. One year into his presidency, President Trump sat down for an in-depth interview with Israel Hayom. At the very start, Trump made it clear, just as he did before entering office, that he was a man of his word. When I asked him what he thought would be the most memorable event from his first year in office, he did not hesitate. I think Jerusalem was a very big point, and I think it was a very important point. The capital, having Jerusalem be your capital, was a very important thing to a lot of people. I've been thanked, and in some cases, not thanked, to be 100% honest about it. But it was a very important pledge that I made, and I fulfilled my pledge. Question, was the decision on Jerusalem one of your goals for your first year in office? Answer, that's right. I said that I would like to be able to do it in the first year. I can understand, and he kind of gets, this is kind of cute, I can understand why many other presidents bailed on their promise because tremendous pressure was put on them to not do it. The other presidents, all of them have failed in the promise, even though they made it as a campaign promise. Mm -hmm. But I understand it because I will tell you the lobbying against it was tremendous. So he stuck to his word despite very, very heavy opposition. And I guarantee you most of that came from the next people that we're going to talk about from Arts Shiva State Department prioritizes funding for Jerusalem Embassy. The U.S. State Department is prioritizing funding for a facility for the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem according to its fiscal year 2019 budget proposal. In addition, the proposal includes a request to continue the military funding for Israel. Under a clause entitled Protecting U.S. Overseas Personnel and Facilities, the proposal says the Trump administration is prioritizing funding for a U.S. Embassy facility in Jerusalem, which will begin once design and construction plans are finalized. Another close entitled Upholding Commitments to Our Allies reads, Supporting the recent 10-year Memorandum of Understanding between Israel and the U.S., this request provides $3.3 billion in foreign military financing for Israel, something we reported on before that has now been approved. And as a part of that, Jerusalem Post, Trump's 2019 budget request includes a $200 million increase to Israel. Good job. Our president is a supporter of these wonderful people in this beautiful land. And as we saw in the movie we watched before we opened today, the rest of the world is turning away from Israel. They're losing allies one after another. Thank goodness um, India is not one of them. I was reading some articles. Uh, uh, we know that Netanyahu went over to India. They've made some uh, great deals together and things are looking good there, but most of the rest of the world is not in support of Israel at this time, and it's only going to get worse as the Bible shows us. From Breitbart, Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort to host a gala for Israel's 70th anniversary. An event marking Israel's 70th year will be held at President Trump's Mar-a-Lago Club in Palm Beach, Florida. The event scheduled for late March is organized by the International Christian Fellowship uh, International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, which is selling tickets for $1,000 per table. If anybody can afford that, go down there, tell us how it was. Speakers at the event will include the U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, Israel's Ambassador to the United Nations, Danny Danon, and former Canadian Prime Minister, Stephen 
Harper. So wonderful stuff there. Dollars per table. Thousand dollars per um, per table. Yes. So I don't. How many seats? Uh, probably one. I don't know. I have no idea. From I two four Israel to launch diamond backed cryptocurrency. This is really interesting. Most of these other cryptocurrencies are not backed by anything. Okay, this is. Israel's trying to solve a market crisis. Before the global recession, Israel was the unchallenged king of the diamond world with more than $7 billion in exports annually. But now those exports are only around $4.5 billion, a huge threat to an industry that employs more than 25,000 Israelites. Behind the downturn are a number of factors. Above all else, Israel is competing with the Chinese and Indian markets whose costs of production are obviously much lower than the ones burdening Israeli diamond entrepreneurs. As a reaction to increasingly tough conditions in the market, Israel's industry is trying to change the rules of the game by launching a new digital currency inspired by the Bitcoin, but backed by diamonds, which is expected to make it less volatile. Very good idea. One of the main issues with cryptocurrencies is that people are afraid to invest because of what they see with Bitcoin. It goes up, it goes down, but ours will be very stable. It will be backed by diamonds. It will be the only cryptocurrency with a backup of real diamonds. Go Israel. And then finally from Haaretz, Israel seeks to divert Fakistinian funds for terrorists to Jewish settlers. It's a wonderful idea. Uh, it's been in the uh, parliament and we'll hope that it actually goes all the way through. The bill would reduce Israel's tax transfers to the FA by the amount they spend on payments to terrorists and their families. Israel collects various taxes on the FA's behalf and transfers the money to the FA on a monthly basis. We've reported on this for years. The bill states that the government will be able to use and withhold funds for infrastructure work for the benefit of residents of Judea and Samaria. The bill's explanatory notes say this provision is intended for the benefit of the entire population of the region. The government could also withhold funds to pay compensation or damages awarded by Israeli courts in suits against the FA or individual terrorists. In addition, the money could be used for projects aimed at preventing terror. If the money is withheld, it will be deposited in a special fund managed by the government's administrator general. He will be able to disperse the money in line with regulations that will be drafted. It's a wonderful idea. They go in there and they kill Jews. And then the Fakistinian authority pays them a lifelong stipend for the rest of their life. If they are martyred according to their uh, religion, then the family gets a lifelong stipend because of this. And so Israel is now saying all of that money that is being given as a stipend, we will deduct from the tax receipts that we send to them. Right. It only makes sense. It, it makes only sense. Otherwise, they are funding their own people being murdered. So there you go. From Christian News Today. This is entitled, Let's Have None of That, entitled N-U-N. Mail online, Texas nuns are helping illegal immigrants buy bus tickets to get across the United States after they sneaked past the border as Catholic Church resists Trump's immigration crackdown. The migrants had been all apprehended trying to get into the United States illegally, detained, then released to attend a court date later. <coughs> this catch-and-release system was condemned as stupid by President Trump as he strives for tougher immigration policies. 
Catholic Charities of the Rio Grande Valley got involved in 2014 because they thought it was a humanitarian crisis, and Dope Francis commended them in 2015. Nuns give the undocumented immigrants food, a place to sleep, and help them purchase bus tickets to get their final destinations in the United States. So they are working against the government, which is totally contrary to the Book of Romans, which says that we are to be obedient to the government which is above us and which we are live under. And so I don't think they reference that book. Too. I don't think they reference that book or any book in the Bible too much, except they pull out little verses from the Beatitudes and they say this is how we're to live our lives. From LifeSite, Dope Francis again chooses pro-LGBT priest to guide Lent retreat who holds Jesus did not establish any rules. So he is making these bizarre decisions about the faith. It's absolutely crazy. Francis has selected a Portuguese priest poet to preach at his 2018 Lenten retreat who is an open promoter of critical theology of a Spanish nun who defends the legalization of abortion and government recognition of homosexual marriage and adoptions. Father Jose Mendonca wrote the introduction to the Portuguese translation of feminist theology in history by Teresa Forcades, I can't pronounce it anyway, um, whom the BBC calls Europe's most radical nun. In the introduction to Focade's work, Tolentino de Mendoncan tells the reader that Jesus didn't leave any rules or laws to mankind, an idea that he approvingly applies to Forcade's critical theology. Teresa Forcade's E. Villa reminds of that which is essential that Jesus of Nazareth did not codify, nor did he establish rules. I would disagree with that heavily, <laughs> writes this guy Mendonca. Jesus lived, that he has constructed an ethos of relation, somatized the poetry of his message in the visibility of his flesh, expressed his own body as a premise. None of this makes any sense. I mean, he just says things that don't say anything. Regarding Francis' welcoming attitude towards those who are stubbornly living in gravely sinful situations of homosexuality and adultery, de Mendonca said, no one can be excluded from the love and mercy of Christ. <coughs> and that experience of mercy has to be taken to everyone, whether they be Christians who are remarried, whether it be the reality of new families, whether it be homosexual persons who in the church must find a space to be heard, a place of welcome and mercy. I really wish that they would read the book Isn't of Revelation in there. What's that? Isn't that a proposed law from her? God. Oh, no laws from God. Yes, that's a proposed law from her. Absolutely. Jesus didn't give us laws, but they're trying to. So it's bizarre. But this is what the, the Pope of the entire Catholic faith is trying to push on the people below him. Makes no sense. From the Daily Caller, church celebrates transgender pastors' transition with a renaming ceremony. And this is not a small little denomination. This is from the Lutheran Church in New Jersey. They celebrated the female-to-male transition of a pastor with renaming ceremony. Transgender Pastor Rose Beeson of St. Matthew's Trinity Lutheran Church in Hoboken was called Peter by Lutheran Bishop Tracy Bartholomew to mark the pastor's gender transition. The name Peter was a purposeful choice. What are they doing? They're going back to Peter, the apostle, who's supposedly the first pope of the Catholic Church, which he isn't. That's a completely uh, side issue, but they're picking this name on purpose. Peter's persistence resonated. I am grateful to be in a congregation, in part to be a bold witness to God's mercy and grace, said Beeson. Well, building diving boards. 
That's all they're doing. From Islam Today. I was driving down the road, speaking of Islam, before I get into my articles. I listen to Hugh Hewitt on the way to the mall every morning because it's the only AM station my truck will get. And he's a Catholic, but he has some good commentary. And he's got a good analytical mind. But he said, let me see, I wrote down that. He said, look at what's happening in Syria right now. Now, this is a guy that does not look at Bible prophecy. He thinks that the church has replaced Israel and everything. Okay, you have Russia, Turkey, Iran, and Israel all there along with the U.S. and maybe even France. Sounds exactly like Ezekiel 38, doesn't it? It sounds exactly like Ezekiel 38. Astonishing. From the Free Beacon, Iran unveils new homemade nuclear-capable ballistic missile amid massive war celebrations. They have a nuclear-capable ballistic missile now. On the heels of an encounter between an Iranian drone and Israeli forces, Iranian leaders showcase their ballistic missile capabilities, which includes a nuclear-capable, medium-ranged missile that appears to share similarities with North Korean technology. You wonder why these two countries have, were on the bad list and why our previous president, or actually previous presidents, both um, Clinton and Obama, what, what they did actually has really harmed this nation in a great way, and it has put Israel in a very, very precarious position. According to the experts, the nuclear-capable missile can hit Israel even when fired from Iranian territory, raising concerns about an impending conflict between Tehran and the Jewish state that could further inflame the region. Iranian military leaders bragged the ballistic missile can be launched from mobile platforms or silos in different positions and can escape missile defense shields due to their radar evading capability. We're talking really sad stuff there. From the Times of Israel, UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees fundraises after the U.S. cuts. They're out there putting their hand out to the world and they're fundraising to keep their uh, money coming in. UNRWA, which serves some 5 million Palestinian refugees and their descendants. Remember what we've already determined. Law, the legal code says that a refugee is only the person that was exiled from their land, not their next generation. So there aren't 5 million, and it's not their descendants. It is 20,000 people left alive that left Israel. And guess what they did? They left Israel voluntarily. They left Israel voluntarily. Israel said, don't leave. We're going to win this war. You can live at peace with us. Every Muslim nation on the planet waged or uh, declared war against Israel. Israel won. Those people have no right to come back to that land. They abandoned it. They were not refugees in the sense of a person that is forced out because of war. They voluntarily left. Okay. So um, let's see here. UNRWA, they had a budget of $1 billion last year. The U.S. gave $350 million of that amount and was the agency's largest donor. President Trump told the World Economic Forum in Davos on January 25th that the fakes must re return to the peace talks to receive U.S. aid money, a comment that raised alarm from the leaders of the 21 international humanitarian groups who protested the administration's dangerous link between aid and political objectives, which is what the left always does. Everything that they do, everything is money based on you siding with us. And all he's doing is he's using a rational decision that they are not even at the table. They're not participating. They're using money inappropriately. We're withholding the funding, funding, but of course they don't like that. But Israel's United Nations Ambassador Danon praised the U.S. move. 
arguing that the UNRWA misuses humanitarian aid to support propaganda against the Jewish state and perpetuate the Palestinians' plight. So there you go. From Haaretz, Abbas tells Putin, we refuse to cooperate with the U.S. in any form. Well, Trump has said that is a part. If you're not going to participate in the talks, no money for you. They say they refuse in any form. Putin is hosting the President Abbas in Moscow, and he reportedly told Abbas that Trump covies his best wishes to the Palestinian leader. In other words, before he arrived, Trump and Putin had a conversation, and Trump said, send him my best wishes, okay? I don't know if that was a jab or if he was serious, but he did do that. This guy has been boycotting the U.S. admin for two months now, ever since Trump's recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Abbas told Putin he could no longer accept the role of the U.S. as a mediator in talks with Israel because of Washington's behavior. We state that from now on, we refuse to cooperate in any form with the United States in its status as a mediator as we stand against its actions. Abbas told Putin at the start of the talks in Moscow. He said last week that he hoped Russia could assume a greater role in the peace talks, saying the United States can no longer play a leading role. Okay, no problem there. Times of Israel, 102 Democrats in Congress. Why do we not vote for these people? 102 Democrats in Congress urge Trump to not cut the Fakistinian aid. Can you imagine that? Don't do that. In a letter, the Democrats said cutting contributions to the UNRWA would intensify anti-Israel sentiment. Despite that, how can you get any more anti-Israel than the world is at this point? They're the most hated group of people on this planet. If it wasn't for Christians and, you know, a few other people in this world, nobody would be supporting the nation of Israel. Uh, it would damage national interests in the region and diminish prospects for a two-state solution. From the Washington Times, Obama-era cash traced to Iran-backed terrorists. Did anybody not see this coming? The U.S. government has traced some of the $1.7 billion released to Iran by the Obama admin to Iranian-backed terrorists in the two years since the cash was transferred. According to knowledgeable sources, Iran has used the funds to pay its main proxy, the Lebanon-based terrorist group Hezbollah, along with the Quds Force. Iran's main foreign intelligence and covert action arm, an element of the IRGC. The intelligence tracing the American funds to Iranian-backed terrorists is likely to further fuel President Trump's effort to undo the Iran nuclear deal. I can't believe that we allowed our president to get that money over there. It was done without anybody's knowledge and by the time it was done. But of course, that's what would happen with that money. Your tax dollars, your money has gone and funded terrorism against us and against the nation of Israel. Makes no sense. From Al-Arabiya, U.S. Defense Secretary, Iran is present everywhere. We find trouble in the Middle East. From Trinidad, we have an attendee that uh, is here. If you're here, Ruth, hello. Um, she attends online. She's there faithfully for the Bible studies. And uh, she reported something to me this week that I didn't know. I had to go searching through news articles just to find this. Last Thursday, the U.S. military helped thwart a terror attack in Trinidad. So far, 13 have been arrested. We have been cautioned to be very diligent as we go about our activities. The U.S., Canada, and the United Kingdom have issued travel advisories to its citizens wanting to visit the island. 
One of the prisoners has been isolated from the others and is being guarded by soldiers wearing masks. He must be a big figure. The police have been searching mosques, of course. We are not sure exactly what the threat is. Tonight, the prime minister addressed the nation and told us it was a real threat, the likes of which Trinidad has never seen before. Wow. Thank you for that, Ruth. From Mongolia, from the UB Post, Mongolia hopes fifth times the charm for oil refinery. The construction of an oil refinery at Dornogovi province is set to commence in April of 2018, coming soon to a month near you, financed with a $1 billion loan from India. The progress of the project has been encouraging for many who are hopeful that the refinery will offset a certain amount of Mongolia's fuel dependence on Russia. An oil refinery has been an elusive objective for Mongolia for decades. Mongolia is essentially 100% dependent on Russia for fuel. In 2017, Russia accounted for up to 98% of fuel imports to Mongolia. The almost absolute dependency of Mongolia on Russia and the fact that the Mongolian government considers fuel a strategic commodity helps maintain some influence of Russia on Mongolia's economy. The oil refinery financed by India is part of the prime minister's cabinet effort to ensure that Mongolia produces food, energy, and fuel internally. Good job. Daniel 12 Technology, Zero Hedge, Sea Hunter, a drone ship with no crew. This is a drone ship going around the world. No crew is uh, just joined the United States Naval Fleet. In the latest installment of the Pentagon's preparation for the fast-approaching drone wars, a prototype autonomous ship known as the MDUSV has successfully been transferred to the United States Navy from DARPA after it completed its multi-year anti-submarine warfare continuous trail unmanned vessel program. The anti-submarine warfare vessel could be the first of an entirely new class of warship for the Navy. The vessel can travel thousands of miles and even stay at sea for months without the need of manned crew. And plus, if it gets blown up, nobody dies. The ACTUV represents a new vision of naval surface warfare that trades small numbers of very capable, high-value assets for large numbers of commoditized, simpler platforms that are more capable in the aggregate. The U.S. military has talked about the strategic importance of <coughs> replacing king and queen pieces on the maritime chessboard with lots of pawns, and ACTUV is a first step towards doing exactly that. Very, very good idea. I like that. You can blow up 50 drones, not lose any people, and still have 100 more out there. You blow up one aircraft carrier, you've lost thousands of people, you've lost tons of armament. So I, I love that idea. Mail online. Does anybody know where the smallest rocket ever to be launched into the atmosphere or out of the atmosphere is from? Happened just a couple weeks ago. We don't have very studious people in this church. I'm, you know, people online are saying, I know, I know. Okay. Anyway, no, this is very interesting. I didn't see this anywhere else except Mail Online. Japanese Space Agency successfully launches the smallest rocket to ever carry a satellite to orbit. And they claim it is made from recycled smartphone parts. Cool beans, yeah. JAXA launched its tiny SS-520 rocket from the Uchinora Space Center. JAXA says it was carrying an ultra-small Tricom IR satellite, making it the smallest rocket to ever launch an object into orbit. 
I saw pictures of it. It is this big. Okay, no, it's not. Anyway, Revelation Plagues today from uh, Jenny. We have a girl that attends online from South Africa, right? We've been talking about South Africa for the past few weeks. Jenny in South Africa sent me an article from Cape News, which is their publication, Thursday, April 26, 1990. You can't tell me they didn't have enough advanced warning on this. 1990. City will run out of water in 17 years. Well, it was actually 27 years, almost 28 years now. But uh, as a matter of fact, it was 1990 April. So if it goes out in April, as they're anticipating, it'll be exactly 28 years from the time they wrote that. They were a little off on their timing, but they predicted that this would happen. And they said, we need to get this fixed. The government has done diddly, diddly. Okay. It says... um, Uh, Yeah, it'll run out in 17 years. And then she sent me another email. I was so happy to read this that I hope she doesn't get mad for me repeating one of her emails, but I was so happy to read this that I thought I'm going to include this in the Prophecy Update. Here, we've been praying, and all these Christians around the world are praying for South Africa. Just to let you know, we're having a rainstorm of note. Every container that we have that can hold water is outside to catch every precious drop My daughter-in-law, I don't want to give her name without permission, managed to get a hold of a 2,200-liter water tank, which she and her husband hooked up to the guttering so we can harvest the water off the roof. May the good times, meaning thunder, roll. Now off to bed to lie in the dark and listen to the sweetest sound on earth. God is good, she said. It didn't make a big dent, but, you know, it gave them some hope. And that's what I'm almost crying right now just thinking of this because those people are in such a bad state. And like I say, you know, there's Christians as well as bad people there, and everybody's going to suffer together. This is not something that we should be rejoicing over or hoping so that we can see the world go through suffering. The tribulation period is going to be like this on steroids. So please know Jesus. From Bloomberg... Flu is causing one in 10 American deaths and climbing. I said that last week, and I wanted to let you know where I read that. And then from the Times of Israel, my friend Ben, who attends online from Australia, I don't know if he just watches afterward or not, but the Cape Town water crisis proudly brought to you by BDS. Okay, I'm not going to read you the article. It's too long, and it, it can't really be cut down, but you can go type that into your search bar and read it. Basically, what it's saying is that Israel offered during a water seminar in South Africa to help out and to give them their technology. And they shut down the seminar completely because they didn't want Jews around, right? And so they they cut off their own nose to spite their face. And so not only were they warned 28 years ago, but they rejected the water savers of the planet. I mean, we have in California water crisis, and guess who they're calling? They're calling Israel, and Israel's going over there and showing them their techniques. And they cut their nose off to spite their face, and now they're facing the consequences of it. The Christians of South Africa, I, I have to tell them, if this continues, you're just going to have to move and not go back because I don't think things are ever going to change with that type of a mentality. Anyway, and I don't know the politics there that well. I don't know much about South Africa, but I do know that I read those two articles, and... <laughs> They both point to what's happening there right now. From Zero Hedge, very, very scary article I read. One typhoon away from a full breach. U.S. nuke test dome leaking fatal radiation into the Pacific Ocean. You talk about a third of the fish dying around the world and all this kind of stuff. Well, this is from one of our our nuke test sites. The costs associated with nuclear tests have been devastating for the surrounding communities. For instance... Any Weetak Atoll, a coral atoll of 40 islands in the Pacific, 
uh, where the U.S. government detonated 30 megatons of weapons, equivalent to 2,000 Hiroshima blasts oh. in total, 67 detonated on any We Talk and Bikini Atolls. Beginning in 1977, more than 8,000 people worked to clean up the Marshall Islands, shifting 110,000 cubic yards of contaminated soil and debris into a blast crater. This 30-foot deep crater is called the Runit Dome. The Dome of Death spans 350 feet across with an 18-inch concrete cap covering the radioactive debris from 12 years of nuclear tests. You can actually go on to Google Earth, zoom into any Weetak Atoll, and you can see this dome. It's very big, okay? The Daily Star reports that the dome's concrete structure is rapidly deteriorating. This allows the tides of the ocean to pump water into the dome and then pump radioactive water out. Paul Grigio, who is a specialist at the dome, says, when I first arrived, the dome's blast crater was open to the ocean. It continued to be full of seawater even after it was sealed off from the ocean. During my 10-hour workday, I witnessed the water level in the crater rise and lower as the tide came in and out. No attempt was made to drain the crater or line it before the radioactive waste was dumped into it. The coral that created the island is porous, and the shock from numerous nuclear weapon tests had also fractured the coral. From the first day forward, the water has flowed out of the lagoon with the tide, creating a giant radioactive toilet that is flushed about twice each day into the Pacific. The dome could be just one typhoon away from a breach. In other words, just splitting right in half. So there you go. World we live in. You wonder how these things in the book of Revelation are going to come to pass? Self-inflicted wounds by humanity. You know, it says that this is going to happen and that's going to happen, and we think that God is just going to send these things out of the, uh, out of the heavens. It's all going to be self-inflicted wounds. He just knows the outcome of it, right? I would say that most of the things are that way in the book of Revelation. He may actively do some things, but I think most of it is just going to be the normal workings of the world. Morality today. I call this trans-this. From the Christian Journal, ACLU sues Alabama to force sex change on driver's licenses of transgender. The ACLU of Alabama has filed a lawsuit against a number of state officials in an effort to force the licensing bureau to allow residents with gender dysphoria to be able to change their driver's license to the opposite sex without even having had a sex change operation. So this is, this is the priorities of the ACLU and the world we're living in. NBC. Walgreens, right down the road, got five of them on Clark Road, I think. Walgreens adopts transgender-inclusive bathroom policy. Yes, it is a company-wide policy that permits customers to use store bathrooms that align with their gender identity. Now, they were sued, and they, they waffled on it, they caved, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm done with Walgreens, unless they all go, and then you have to use whoever's closest again. But I just don't see any need in supporting somebody that is willing to say, I'm just going to cave to this lawsuit or whatever the case is and, and do it. From Mail Online, Education Department, some good news on the trans issue. Education Department, who are they under? Who appoints the Education Secretary? Our President, that's right. Education Department says it won't act on transgender students' complaints about bathroom access. Good job. The DOE will not take action if transgender students make bathroom access complaints. BuzzFeed News pinned down the Trump admin's position. After four months, the DOE said that it was studying the issue. They probably went through every legal 
loophole that they could find in order to make sure that nobody could come against them and say, you can't do this. We're going to get sued if you do this. So they took their time. They did it methodically. Now a spokeswoman for the department says that the Title 9 or 10 or 11, whatever, protections which are on the basis of sex don't apply to gender identity in regards to bathrooms. So our schools are at least partially safe in that regard. From CBC... (laughs) As terminations rise, this is good news, has nothing to do with transgender issue, but if you have not heard this, I was driving to uh, my morning job, and I was not listening to Hugh Hewitt at the time. I was listening to the oldies station. Sometimes they get into some pretty gross stuff, and so I click it off, but um, when they have the songs and stuff, I listen to it. Right after a song, they started talking, and I left it on, and they said, did you see that cute baby that's selected for Gerber's? And they were talking about it. I didn't know what they were talking about. They, they were raving over it, right? And um, so I got home, and I was reading the day's news, and this is what Gerber's has done. So if you, uh, everybody, if you are hungry, I'll buy you Gerber's for lunch, okay? Um, as terminations rise, will Gerber's Down Syndrome spokesbaby change attitudes? For the first time ever, the Gerber baby is a grinning child with Down syndrome. Advanced genetic screenings is allowing parents to find out if their fetus has genetic abnormalities, including the markers for Down syndrome. So people are purposefully aborting Down's babies, and Gerber's has made a stand by having a Down's baby as their baby for the picture of their uh, food. So as I said, anybody wants Gerber's for lunch, I'll buy it for you. All right, our other category... I cut it down a little bit because of the long article from Voitenko News Services at the beginning, but uh, from CBS, President Trump donates his fourth quarter salary of $100,000 to the Department of Transportation to support their programs, rebuild and modernize our crumbling infrastructure. He's a good president. Fox News. New York Police Department ignored more than 1,500 federal requests to detain immigrants last year, official says. So New York is just as bad as California. New York City Police ignored all 1,526 requests from the Federal Immigration and Customs Enforcement to detain undocumented immigrants for up to 48 hours last year, a top NYPD official said, ignoring the law. From Reuters, California says it will block crude oil from Trump's offshore drilling plan. They don't want that crude that is being drilled offshore going through their state. Man, that's their revenues. They're already broke, and they're going to just continue to cut off their nose despite their face. California will block the transportation through its state of petroleum from new offshore oil rigs, a move meant to hobble the Trump admin's effort to vastly expand drilling in U.S. federal waters. California's plan to deny pipeline permits for transporting oil from new leases off the coast is the most forceful step yet by coastal states trying to halt the expansion of federal oil and gas leasing. There you go. California drills offshore. California drills offshore. They just don't want the government doing it. They want their revenue, but they won't take the revenue from the government, which is – the whole thing is just stupid. From the uh, Washington Examiner – Trump touts infrastructure plan as alternative to stupidly blowing money in the Middle East. Good job. This will be a big week for infrastructure, and that's why he chose this as his, uh, I'm going to give my money to this cause. After so stupidly spending $7 trillion in the Middle East, it is now time to start investing 
in our country, Trump tweeted. The plan will call for $200 billion in new federal infrastructure spending over the next decade. Trump hopes that the money will deliver more than $1.5 trillion in investments from the private sector and state and local governments. The first thing I thought of when I was reading that was, does anybody remember cash for clunkers? A complete waste of money. Everything went out and nothing went back into the government. And this guy is actually doing something to keep our government going. From Zero Hedge, Trump proposal to end food stamps sends dollar stores tumbling. The stocks at dollar stores is tumbling. Does anybody know what the uh, thing he wanted to do is? You're going to find out. Here, I see one head shaking over there. The shares of Dollar General and Dollar Tree tumbled after it was unveiled that President Trump's budget was proposing to effectively abandon food stamps, slashing the program's traditional cash payments and substituting them with packages of 100% American-grown food. So he's saying that's the purpose of food stamps is to buy food. Then they go in there and they buy whatever they want with it. They can buy porn if they want, I'm sure. It, I, you know, you can buy whatever. He's saying, we're not going to do this anymore. Now, this is very smart for a few reasons. First, if you take and you give them food, it didn't cost you that much to package the food and send it out. They're getting $150 worth of food for probably, what, 20 bucks, right? And so he's supporting American companies. He's saying that we need to feed these people. And the incentive is to say, I don't like this food. Well, then good. Get off of food stamps. That's the incentive. This will not pass. At least it won't this time. Okay, but he has proposed it, and it is in his budget. When the elections are over, if we retain the House and the Senate, he is going to have much more authority than he did in the past, and this may become something that will happen. So we'll go on. This would represent one of the biggest shakeups of the U.S. food stamp program in its five-decade history, and I love it. Unveiled in Trump's budget proposal, the food stamp plan is a part of an effort to reform SNAP and save a projected $214 billion over a decade. The proposal would give all households receiving more than $90 a month in cash food aid package that would include items such as shelf-stable milk, ready-to-eat cereals, pasta, peanut butter, beans, and canned fruit, vegetables, and meat, poultry, or fish. Cash payouts would be gradually phased out. Under the proposed plan, the amount of food a household receives would be scaled to the size of the allotment, with about half of the assistance coming as food instead of cash. I'm so behind this proposal. The USDA already buys commodities for other programs, such as the National School Lunch Program. So they're doing it for them. All they have to do is modify the program, send it out to these people, and stop sending them our tax money. And states would largely be in charge of distribution. So it's up to the state to send this out. Win-win. So on Saturday, when the checks are late, what do we hear? Uh, that's, I'm, he's right. We do mission work every Saturday for 10 years now down in the projects. And when those checks are late, all we hear is how bad it is. And we didn't get our Here's money. And my yeah, money. Where is my money? They've never earned it. They've never done anything for it. And they won't get the money if he gets this through one of these days. Instead, they're going to get food. They're going to say, well, this is terrible. We don't want to eat cereal. Well, then get off of food stamps. I, like it. Get, I love it. You know what? If you're not earning your way in this life, you need to do what people <coughs> decide that are in charge. And this man is in charge right now. I'm all behind it. From TMZ. This was nothing surprising at all. I don't know why this headline made the news. From TMZ. Cops investigating white powdery substance found at Obama office. Huh. 
somebody sent him an envelope with it, but I just, that's no new news if, if, you, if you know what I'm thinking. Anyway, got a less Rick here for you. Uh, when the time for the Bitcoin gets tough, God's folks answer with one in the rough. Israel heads for the rocks, cleans economy's clocks. It will bring GNP up to snuff. So good job, Les. And let's see here. I've got two ironies of the week for you, and I entitle this Car Trouble. I don't know why this happens. You know, I'll look for ironies of the week, and they always seem to happen in bunches. Last week it was prison or something. I don't remember what. But anyway, it always seems like I get a couple of them that are on the same subject. So this week it's car trouble. From Mail Online, Air Con, C-O-N. Quick Fit, which is like our Jiffy Lube here. So we'll just say Jiffy Lube. Uh, but I'm not saying Jiffy Lube, so don't sue me, Jiffy Lube. But it's like Jiffy Lube. Quick Fit mechanics try to charge students 600 pounds to fix her air conditioning in her Citron C1 which doesn't have air conditioning. Yeah. And from Fox, man steals a car, then calls the owner for help to start it, the police say. Didn't work out so well for him. So such is the world we live in. And from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.